0: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think, live, and make decisions. And when even the experts sound convincing but they disagree, how do we cut through the noise and how do we sift through all the information overload and choose what governs our lives? Our leadership here at Grace has been processing these things and praying for all of us, so we want to hear... We want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Jeff.
1: Joe. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you doing, man? I'm I'm good. I'm moving tomorrow night, so Nice. Well, I can't there's just no good way to
0: move. No, there's not. There never is. Yeah. And you can't find a day that everybody's available because they're not all available.
1: Yeah, so like Thursday night, that's when I chose to move. Yeah,
0: I'm coaching game day tomorrow night. No. are you really? (laughs) Well, I'm moving. Yeah, my daughter has been begging me for the last year. Since last season, she saw one of her friends' dad coach. She's like, Dad, will you be my coach? That's awesome. I'm
1: like, that'll fade. It didn't fade. I'm just imagining this over-aggressive (laughs) six-year-old team at game day, because you're like, hit them harder.
0: Yeah, they don't know how to dribble. They don't know how to shoot or pass or any of that stuff. But boy, will there be black eyes on the other That's team.
1: That's right. You don't, it doesn't take talent to throw an elbow. <laughs> I always tell my daughter, I'm like, the ref will tell you when you use your elbows too much. <laughs> I've told her that her whole That's athletic career. amazing. I'm like, let the ref tell you. Until then, swing freely, honey. This is... <laughs> This is why we're pastors and not coaches. That's right. That's right.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, uh, I hope you all listening had a great celebration of the new year. And uh, as we kick into 2022, I'm sure many of us have different goals and aspirations and things that we want to achieve this year. And um, that actually is going to kind of segue us into this question that came up, Jeff. Um, or really, it's more of a topic. This the, the way it was posed, but just what are the lies that we tell ourselves, like as kids, like um, and and how do we deal with those? For instance, I think one of the number one lies we tell ourselves is you can do anything. Yeah, you know you can do anything when you grow up, and some of our listeners are like, "That's not a lie. You can do anything. Just put your mind to it it's or something not true like that." At all. How do, how does that play out? Why is that a lie? Yeah, because it's not true at all. <laughs> you, you can't you can't do anything. That sure, you I want can. To do. <laughs> Look at me fit through that small hole. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, you know what? I think I was thinking about this earlier um, because I, I think I, I have I like to say I, this. I like to say you never lead from a position of fear. Okay. Yeah. And I think most parenting. Maybe that's a big overstatement. A lot of parenting. Maybe that is sometimes parenting. <laughs> is done from a position of fear instead of a position of leadership. Hmm. So we're we're fearful that our kids won't have high self-esteem. We're fearful that our kids uh, won't find themselves. We're fearful that we'll be a bad parent and somehow harm our child, and they won't be emotionally healthy, um, et cetera, et cetera. So what that— what that fear does is it leads us we used to, when when my kids were little we called it helicopter parenting i'm not sure mm. what the current term is right now but as little kids it was this idea that mom or dad is always hovering mm-hmm. right and they're trying to protect their children from every scrape and bruise and every insult and everybody that ever picked on them every flying elbow every flying elbow <laughs> and um and they do that oftentimes because there's pain in the parent's life, and they don't want their child to go through that same pain, or it's this issue of fear that if somehow I don't parent correctly, my child won't be healthy, and we won't have a healthy relationship. And that, so if you're listening, stick with me here for a moment. Helicopter parenting is is just the flip side of co- of the coin of a tiger mom. Okay. So the tiger mom stereotype is, I push my kid, and you're going to get straight A's, you better start on varsity, and you practice your piano 13 hours a day, and blah, 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 where we're pushing our kids to perform at the highest level. Hmm. And the reason that helicoptering and tiger momming are the flip sides of the same coin is because that coin is actually my identity as a parent. Interesting. That that I I'm going to feel successful or I'm going to feel as a failure based on how my child turns out. Hmm. And that's going to determine whether I did a good job or or not, right? So to that end, we'll tell our kids lies because we want those things to be true. Hmm that makes sense. Yeah. So when I look at my kid and they're like, "I want to be an astronaut and I want to be LeBron James and I want to be and we're like, "You can be whatever you want to be." That's not true. Sure. It my kids are amazing. It doesn't matter how hard they work. They are not playing in the NBA, <laughs> right? And uh I I'm a I feel like I'm a relatively intelligent person, but I have a I think it's a, like an a undiagnosed learning disability when it comes to like math. Huh. I'm not going to be an astronaut. <laughs> you, you can't be an astronaut and not be able to do basic algebra, right? right? So be, the, the reason that we tell our kids those lies is because we're afraid they might have bad self-esteem. That might reflect on us as parenting – and and so it's it's the parents mm-hmm. that are um that are actually driving that. A child isn't being asked, isn't asking to be told that. The parents are, right? Now when we heard these lies as kids, the healthiest people, the healthiest adults are the adults that didn't believe those lies. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I'm still trying,
0: trying to process that a little bit. Like, I'm sure you're about to tell us, but that that's messing with me a little bit. That's good.
1: Yeah. It, it, the healthiest adults are the people who did not believe the lies if their parents told them these lies. Sure. They're the people that lived down to earth, that found out you. what they were good at, not what they wish they were good at, pursued that, built a life, built a career. They're comfortable in their own skin. They're okay if they're not a great athlete because they can cheer for somebody else who is. They're okay that maybe they're not the smartest person in the room because they can be teachable. They don't think their opinion is the, the end-all to be-all. That's why they're open to other people's input and leadership in their lives. Sure. The healthiest adults are people who do not believe the, let's call them childhood lies, that they were told by their parents. Hmm. The healthiest parents are people who, help their kids become who God has created them to be. Hmm. So if your kid wants to be a featured soloist, but they're tone deaf, the healthiest parent is the one who lovingly looks at their kid and says, honey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Hmm. Right? Um, the, The healthiest parent is the one who says, you excel at something that I'm not interested in. But I'll, I'll get interested in that because you're interested in it and because you're gifted in it. So I think we flip all of this around, but I think that's where it comes from. And then culture, like, exasperates. The, the Disney Channel exasperates all that and, you know, pursue your wishes and dream your dreams. And, but if, if you look at, like, um, the popular shows like America's Got Talent and American Idol – the reason you love Simon Cowell is because he tells somebody the truth, hmm. and the the people who actually excel are the people who take the coaching and get better. The meltdowns that make all the social media feeds are the guys that are like, you're wrong, hmm. Simon Cow. you're wrong, where the rest of us are like, no, he's right, <laughs> <laughs> because he told the truth to something. Actually,
0: that's great. Now, how do we like see that play? Like, for instance, if we find ourselves bad at something, um, you know, and someone says, "Well, that's a weakness of yours," like, should we try to build up our weaknesses, or like, how do we kind of counteract those things if we just realize, "Well, maybe I'm not good at this"? Should someone that's tone deaf try to learn how to hear music and get better at music, or like, how should we navigate those things?
1: I think it's directly correlated to what you're bad at, mm. you know. So sometimes. Um, to be a grown up, you have to get better at your weaknesses. So, when you get a real job and you enter the professional world, if you're bad at time management, you need to get better at time management. Um, if you're bad at technology, you need to get better at technology because um, it's uh, it's required. Those things are not what you're building your life off of. Those things are tools necessary to build your life, mm-hmm. right? But if you're tone deaf, you should not try to be a musician. <laughs> you should learn to be comfortable in your own skin and appreciate great musicians. So you should be a connoisseur of music, but not a producer of it. Sure. Right? Um, I. And, and I I think the people who do that wind up excelling and they also wind up being secure, right? So uh, I joke around that I was the best JV baseball player I ever knew. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't even that good. I, lo- I like sports. I like to watch sports. I like to play sports in um, the driveway with my kids. I had to learn to take no... Self worth out of my athleticism, That's good. because I couldn't. If that was where I found my self worth, I would for always be defeated. I'm not. A, I'm not a great athlete. I'm a okay in the backyard with playing with my kids, especially when they were little and I was just taller than they were. <laughs> athlete, right? Now you are an example of a person who is a great athlete. A college scholarship for football. That's different for you. Uh-huh right and it's not you're not walking around 20 years later talking about your old college football days but you would look and say no something i should really invest in that i'm good at is my athleticism it's going to take me somewhere in life and it's going to be a part of how i think it's going to be a part of how i lead the the lessons that i'm going to teach in sermons are going to be drawn from some of the things that the coaches said to me mm-hmm. i don't have any of that sure but that's what makes you you and that's what makes me me yep right So I am good at being artistic and creative, and I'm good at strategy and leadership and those kind of things. That's what comes natural to me. So I don't talk about – I don't use athletic analogies a lot. Mm -hmm. I use uh, artistic analogies a lot or or something I thought up Mm -hmm. on my – you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so it just depends. I I think sometimes we have to work on our weaknesses – because it's just necessary. but I think the things that we let uh, we find our worth in, the things that we are, are the things that we have come to realize God has created us for. And as we settle into our spiritual gifts and we settle into our God-given talents and abilities, I think life comes at us more naturally mm-hmm. um, and and we naturally excel at something because God created us. do that does that make sense absolutely it's it's actually exciting to start paring down because i think a lot of
0: people struggle with that one way or the other they either don't know what they're good at or they don't know what they don't want to acknowledge what they're bad at and they probably find a lot of tension and frustration in those areas of their life and so we start peeling this the 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 curtain back a little bit to understand ourselves and it
1: helps um now can i I just add to that joe because i I think what you're saying is insightful I, i think that we find tension and frustration. I also think we find jealousy and envy. Yep. And and me being jealous of you for your gifts and abilities is me looking and saying, I like your gifts and abilities better than mine. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had those things. Yep. Right? Me envying you is is seeing like you're able to excel at something that I'm not able to excel at right? And it makes you insecure, and it makes you restless, and then tragically what it does is it makes you miss out on on what God actually gave you. And I know we're talking about this from an adult perspective, but to flip this back into like a parenting thing a little bit, I that's where I need to lead my children, mm. right? So uh, my, my one son— uh, Josiah is an incredible musician. he He does not even enjoy sports, right? I need to lead him toward that. my my second son Isaac is an incredible athlete. He doesn't enjoy music. I need to lead him toward that. My son Micah is actually good at both of those things. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like as a and I could go on with the rest of our kids, but but the idea is like, Josiah is not jealous of Isaac, or vice versa. And, and I think as a parent, that was my job. Like, yeah. let's go celebrate when one child's doing something, let's go celebrate with another one. As an adult, if, if parents didn't lead you that way, you have to reach those conclusions on your own. Mm-hmm. And so sitting and being happy for someone who's excellent at something that maybe you wish you were, but you're not. You ro- you made yourself jealous. You robbed yourself of the enjoyment of what they're good at. Where if you can look and say, but I'm good at this, and I'm good at that, and right? Um, I'm a great public speaker who cannot make my iPad work. <laughs> so our IT guys, they're really good at that, and I'm not. And, and I'm not... I don't want to be jealous of them. I don't think they're jealous of me. It's actually fun to be a team in in those things. Mm-hmm. But you ha- you have to relax into who God has created you to be or or that's what always flares up.
0: Yeah. Now, how do we look for what did God create us to be? And maybe that's a double-edged question. How do we begin to see that in kids that are around us, whether they're our children, niece, nephew, neighbor, whatever? But then how do we kind of discover that for ourselves, especially if we were one of those people that bought into
1: that, I can do whatever, and we find ourselves not being good at much? So I, I'll i take this from like a childhood up, right. right? So as a child, I would say to parents, let your kids experiment. Don't program them. Mm. So don't sign them up for every sport. Maybe wait till they ask. Um, find the things that they're eager to do. And, and, and the younger they are, they're, more, they're going to be like, I want to do dance class. I want to do art class. I want to do basketball, Dad. You mm-hmm. know, and, he's like, and I'm like, yeah, let them do all of it within reason. But make sure that what they have are parents and a family And those activities don't rob from that, Mm -hmm. right? And I I see a lot of parents are like, everybody says my kid has to play soccer. I'm like, well, let them. But if you're fighting them to go play soccer, don't make them play, they don't wanna play soccer. You want them to play soccer, right? So I think that's that. As it, I would then say like as a teenager, if you're a teenager listening to this or you're raising teenagers, I would say that's when you start to narrow, and you're looking for giftedness, you're looking for things that bring joy and fulfillment, uh, things that come a little bit naturally, yeah. right? And so, if that's athletics, great. If it's art, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera school, whatever. But you're looking, and because God, that's how you know God wired you that way, right? Um, Number one fear in North America is public speaking. The, it, the fear of public speaking is higher than the fear of death. Yeah. I have looked for a spotlight on a stage since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense to me mm-hmm. to be up there. Right. So th- that my mom and dad just like let me do that. And then I dabbled in sports. Yep. Right. But when you get into like, AAU basketball, if you don't do this, you're not going to make the team. You're driving a kid. Our our society has hurt our kids that way. You get to college, intern, and everything. (laughs) You know, play around. And then when you're an adult, I would look and say, what makes me fulfilled and what makes me happy? Now, ready? This is big. I'm not giving career advice. Yeah. So my dad, what made him fulfilled and what made him happy was serving at the church and being with his family, and then he worked in a factory, he made a living,
0: yep,
1: right. And and he was good, and he got promoted on. But my dad was not this career path guy, but he was happy, uh-huh. and he was content, and we were happy, and we were content. And he and he wasn't he got promotions and stuff, but he wasn't crying on the slider. So you you might be a person that says actually. Uh, my career life is actually not what I I live for. I want to be a, a a worker who's worth his wage. I want to be I want to honor Christ, but yeah, if I can pay the bills, I'm good. Uh-huh. This is what we give our lives to. Your career might be more important to you than that, but you're you're just always looking for fruitful and fulfilling, fruitful and fulfilling Christ at the center. Um, and instead instead of looking at um. What's expected of me? Uh, I'm forty years old. Where am I supposed to be in my life? <laughs> yeah all that kind of stuff
0: yeah that's um I've, I'm thinking of multiple individuals that I know in my life that uh, if I'm being honest, I hope are listening to this because those cultural messages, and of course, that's why we have this podcast um rings so true they they hit a certain age at 20 i should know what i want to do with my life at at 30 i should have these things checked off in in my life yeah. bucket list so to speak at 40 my goodness i should and we hear these lies you know there's no shoulds with so many things like that i mean probably shouldn't be living in your parents' basement maybe at 40 but <laughs> yeah you know but that's different than knowing and having all these other things checked off um how do we how do we lean into um like where do the scriptures help us know what are we created where should we explore um you know how does that work out maybe in ministry how we're impacting other
1: people's lives well w- the reason God created us and gifted us and gave us personalities, or what we call shape here, mm-hmm, yep. our spiritual gifts, our personalities, our abilities, our uh, life experiences, and our um, uh, heartbeats. No, no. Uh, well, how do you say it? I, I just screwed it up. Say I think right. you
0: said personality second, but it's uh, spiritual gifts, your heartbeats are the things you're passionate about, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences.
1: Yeah, I flipped it around a little bit, but... We have so, so one of the ways that we, we can help you guys is we actually have this shape process that Joe's in charge of, I'm not, <laughs> um, that we actually walk you through. But in that process, what we're really showing you is that God created you for himself, mm-hmm. and that your highest calling with your personality, your life experiences, and your talent is not your career, it's your impact for the kingdom of God. And your career might be central to that, or it might not be central to that, mm-hmm. uh, but your relationships is really what drives you and all those things. So when you, when you look at—the way the Scripture helps us with this is the Scripture would lean in and say, Let, let's prioritize relationships. So you might have a, a outgoing personality. You were given that so that you could create relationships. Mm-hmm. You might be an introvert. You were given that so you could deepen relationships, yep. um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even your, let's say your athletic ability is for relationships, your your musical talent is for relationships, et cetera. So you want to look and say, how are, how are my gifts and abilities producing relationships that are Christ-centered or Christ-energized relationships? what our culture would teach us is how do my gifts and abilities produce income for me? Right. Right. So God is our provider. So in God's mind, so to say, income is a matter of food, clothing and shelter. It's not a matter of status and luxuries. Mm -hmm. That's Americanism. Right. So that's where like, if you uh, have a college degree and you're working at Starbucks, are you a success or a failure? Well, the, I don't know. It depends on what you're doing at Starbucks and the relationships that you're having there. Uh, my my daughter-in-law, who I am very proud of, uh, she doesn't work there anymore, but she worked at Starbucks like during college. That girl would have all kinds of unbelievers over to our house. She was always sharing Christ with somebody. She's all relationships all the time. It doesn't matter wh- where she was drawing a paycheck. She's working someplace different now, doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And her gifts and her abilities, she pours into people. She always challenges me that way. Mm-hmm. I think she's a phenomenal example of that. So I think that's where the Scripture starts. It's like, wait a minute, it's, it's, we, it's the kingdom of God first. The kingdom of God is love Christ, love people mm-hmm what are these things doing to produce relational credibility, depth, meaning all those kind of things? I think that is the place that has to shift. What happens then is, whether it's an athletic field or the marketplace or uh, the pulpit at a church, those gifts and abilities sometimes allow you to amplify that relational reach, Mm -hmm. right? So you think about an athlete... And the impact that the star basketball player can have on a high school. Yep. Right? Yep. The, the impact that a, uh, a CEO could have in the marketplace, the impact that maybe a pastor could have in an area, kind of a thing. Uh, but you have to come at life that way first. Mm-hmm.
0: I love how you're digging into some of those micro things. Of course, we started off with these, like, are you good at athletics or music or art or whatever. But when you get into some of these micro things, it really you begin to discover very unique ways that God has wired you and crafted you to impact other people. Uh, not too long ago, uh, it's probably it's just a couple of weeks before Christmas. I had an amazing and unexpected conversation with somebody about Star Wars. I'm a little bit of yeah. a star wars nerd and if I say a little bit, that's a very big understatement <laughs> um and his he had a light bulb go off because I said, Well, do you remember what happened in this movie and how this I'm like that's a lot like how God is trying to interact and he was like, Oh my gosh yeah and it and it it's not because I necessarily was being eloquent or because or of whatever it was just we both had a shared hobby something we were both quote-unquote good at and it was an opportunity to be like this is how god works and a light bulb went off for him it was a wonderful moment yeah you know and so those micro things they don't have to be the broad strokes you know it can be a lot of these underpinnings too well i'm i'm great at having a conversation over a cup of coffee you should have conversations over a cup of coffee with people all the time then
1: that that that's exactly right and and and, you know, the, there's a statement out in our culture right now called UBU, you you. <laughs> and in some ways it's very biblical, mm-hmm. uh, because God uniquely and wonderfully handcrafted you in your mother's womb, and your gifts and abilities and personality are hardwired into us a little bit, right? S- some people are natural athletes, some people aren't, like, it's just hardwired in. Well, God would look and say, I want you to be you. I want you to do your thing. And I don't, I don't think God, inside the context of godliness, mm-hmm. I don't think God cares what our thing is. I think that he cares that we're salt and light while doing that thing. So the thing I do for God, I can often enjoy. Now, not all the time, obviously. That's not the way that grown-up life works. But I can often enjoy those things. Mm-hmm. What I would look at, if I was people, is I would look and say, do I enjoy who I am and what I'm doing and the life that I'm living? And I can tell you personally, I got trapped in this recently. I said at the beginning of this uh, uh, episode that I'm moving tomorrow. Well, the reason I'm moving is during the quarantine, you know, everybody's watching Netflix because we're bored out of our minds after two weeks. Heidi watched this Netflix about, <clears throat> or this show about minimalism, and she got all excited about it. And so she just started pitching things, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and, and and it actually was great. And I I guess I am a natural minimalist. I never knew I was until I watched this show. But I like to throw things away. And uh, <clears throat> she said to me, she goes, will you watch this with me." I said, "Sure, I'll watch it with you." So I watched this show with her, and these guys are not Christ followers. There's nothing abnormally biblical about minimalism but the guy made a statement and I'll never forget it he said uh he said I realized one day that I was living the life people expected me to live because I was making the money and at the stage of life that I was at hmm. and that hit me and I actually got emotional I could get a little emotional about it now I pulled Heidi aside and I said I need to talk to you and uh Heidi and I, now we've sold it now, but we live in a beautiful home. It's a long story, but we bought it as an investment. And uh, it's like a mansion kind of thing, but we we bought it as an investment. And so people walk into our home, and they're like, your home is so incredible, your home. And I I looked at Heidi, and I said, uh, I said, you know how I feel about this house? And she goes, you don't really like it that much. I'm like I don't, <clears throat> and I said to her, I said, "What do I want? what What have we What have we always said we wanted?" And she said, "You want land with water." I said, "I do." I said, "Honey, I don't want to wait till I'm eighty to do that." So we, she was with me, so we went out and we found this dump. <laughs> I mean, it's a dump, but it has a river running through it. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of property, dump we're downsizing our house probably 60%, uh-huh. right? Because it's, it's, what, it's how God wired me, uh-huh. right? And I'm moving out of a beautiful home that most people would see as a, as a status symbol, and I can't wait to move. So I can move to a dump, Right. And I I feel like that happened, and that that happened to me. Like I'm actually I'm actually just here because I can be here. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to be here. I want to be in the dump. Like I'd rather have a barn. I have a Kubota instead of a Corvette. Like <laughs> I, I love I love that kind of stuff. I'm the my inner hillbilly comes out. <laughs> but I feel like we get that way in careers. Mm-hmm. Like we yeah. don't want we don't want these careers. Um, I feel like we get that way with our kids. Are is your family really happy running to sports six days a week? Yeah. Or are you just doing like we get? Are the kids happy? Are you? or would they? Are they like what? Can I stay home tonight? I feel we. I feel like we get that way with academics. Um, I don't really know anybody who got a four and it changed their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we we do that way with even uh, performing through like service. I'm the I'm the world's greatest volunteer, but do, do you look forward to that? Or are you like, oh, I got to go in this weekend, and mm-hmm. and somewhere in there, it, you have to be careful that it's not laziness and selfishness, but somewhere in there something's driving you that's not supposed to drive you that hard. And we mm-hmm. all do things out of obligation, and sometimes we just have to pitch in at church or home or whatever. Well, and but, there's
0: a difference between responsibility and peer pressure. That's right. You that's know. Right. So, yeah, there's things that I'm obligated to do because it really is my responsibility. And then there's things I'm doing because I feel like my boss won't like me as much, or my friends will think less of me. And it's like, eh, now we're bending into that arena or, you're or, talking about. Or
1: my mom. Yeah, sure. You know, my son's a doctor. Uh-huh. My daughter's a lawyer. My, And, and I'm like, but do you want to be one? Mm-hmm. And maybe you do. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe you do, but maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, you need to wrestle with God because— the people i know who who love jesus and who have engaged with him in the way that he has created them are the people who serve the most and are the most excited to serve mm-hmm. because they're they're like this is the funnest thing i do and i think somewhere in there is how god leads you mm. right and i think these you know we start off talking about these childhood lies i think those childhood lies um they set unreasonable expectations of happiness they set unreasonable expectations of uh success and and we kind of live off of statements that we heard as a 6 year old yep and, instead of really settling into what god wants us to do and i um I work like an absolute maniac, 90% of the time I'm just having fun, <laughs> y- you know? And, and that's the way, like, this land we got, like, I'll come in muddy and exhausted and dirty, and I just had a blast, I was just on vacation, yep. you know? Because it's how God wired you. Mm-hmm. So when you ask the question, like, how does the Lord lead us to that, I'm like, it, it's discovering that, and it's probably, if you're an adult, and most of us are here listening, but it's probably conversations, mm-hmm. it's seeking wisdom, mm-hmm. it's not going in tomorrow and quitting your job, you know, but it, it may be reordering life mm-hmm. and prioritizing things differently. Um, I think the, I think there's a little bit of a movement of, if I'm not happy, I should quit everything, and I'm <laughs> like, mm, I'd be careful with that. If you're not happy, maybe you should relook at how you're doing everything, yep. but that's the wisdom part of it um, but I don't think uh when I look at Paul and Peter and Silas and they're being beaten and they're in prison and they're rejoicing like they were they were locked into something that would that their circumstances weren't dictating to them, yeah.
0: That's excellent. I'm thinking about something about how you were shuffling around all of the, are we going to do all the sports things, or can I find this, or should I quit everything, or whatever. It got me thinking about you know when Jesus teaches about worry in Matthew 6. He's like, all these different things as they play out, the way you navigate that, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of this will be added to you as well. You want to figure out what you're good at. You want to figure out how God created you. You want to figure out where your niche is. Seek Him, yeah, and he will help that all uh shake out uh completely. That's excellent, Jeff. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know what to expect with this particular topic, but I think we landed in a really helpful place. You got my wheels turning, and uh, I hope as we look ahead at the rest of this year, um, that you know we're we're seeking first the kingdom and that we're being honest about how has God wired us and are we willing to be teachable but then also pursue the passions. Uh, the godly passions especially that God has placed on our heart. Uh, If you would like to submit questions for this podcast, you can always do that at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixedmessages. And if we can help you take any unique next steps in your faith, or even if you want to talk a little Star Wars nerd stuff, uh, we can do that. (laughs) Uh, But always feel free to reach out to us, and and, uh, we would love to get those on our docket and help as much as we can. If you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review the podcast. And if you're looking for a church home, you can always join us on the weekend in person here in the greater Akron area or, of course, online as well. Well, thanks for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. Catch you next time.